This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. All right, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 20. And for today, this morning's teaching, we'll be talking about restoration, being prepared to be used by God, and I'm subtitling this, Avoid Being Idle. Again, restoration, being used by God, avoid being idle. And and again, this teaching, like I said, we are a teaching ministry, but understand we teach in series, but this will be a one-time teaching until our pastor returns, but it is in the same lines what has already been taught already. You know, we know how to flow in this ministry, and we're going to flow with the things that's already been taught. So in the book of Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse number 1, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man, that is, an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And then went their, and then went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour... He went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He has said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that that shall ye receive. And so in this time of restoration, us being wall builders, where God's preparing us to be used by Him, don't be idle. Right? Don't be standing in a place waiting to get hired. You need to be working. Right? You need to maximize the season of your preparation. And the season we're in now is God's preparing us for work. And we've got to maximize it. But if you are idle, understand this, being idle, you will not grow. You will not be developed. You will not be prepared for the next season that is to come. And you see here, we looked at this in verse number 6. It says, the last word, why stand here all day being idle? Those that were out there all day being idle, they weren't being prepared for nothing else. They weren't growing. They weren't being developed. Right? They were there, they were idle all day. Were those that went out and worked, those that went out and worked in the, as laborers in the vineyard, they were being productive. And that's the thing about when, when, you're, when you're in the state of being idle, you are not productive. You're not doing what God has called you to do. You're not, you're not performing the action that you need to be performing. And we'll get into that on this evening, I mean on this morning, to talk about these things. Right? So remember, you have to work out your own salvation. We've learned this in this ministry. You have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And this work is the unseen work. It is your labor. And understand it, mean work out your own salvation. We saw in Philippians 2 that we've been, one of our key verses we've been going over. And that work means, that means I'm not idle. 
If I'm working out something and that work starts on the inside, that means you can't be idle. Stop putting off things. Right? When, when, when the call comes for you to work, guess what? Work. Do the unseen work. This is the time for you to do the unseen work. So the objective of this teaching is to, is to perform a self-examination or a self-evaluation to see if you are idle and to apply the principles to avoid being idle. So it's time to do some self-examination. Which again, that's what the Word of God always does. It does a self-evaluation, examination. And we need to learn to apply the principles so we can avoid being idle. Now when I say idle, let's go ahead and define this word idle. Idle means without work, without labor, free from labor. It means without purpose or effect. Pointless, useless, wasting time. Again, I'll say this again. Idle, without work, without labor, free from labor, without purpose or effect. Pointless, useless, wasting time. Right? And I love the part about when you, the thing about idle is that you are a waster of time. It is without purpose. It's without effect. That's when you're being idle. It's without purpose. It's without effect. It's pointless. It's useless. And then I'm going to throw out another word for you. It's called slothful. Slothful is, is akin to idle. Right? Slothful means this. That you're slow moving. You're sluggish. <clears throat> you're not moving at the pace that you should be. That's a slothful individual. That's, that's a slothful action. You know, you think about the sloth, right? When it's doing slow motion, moving. You know, that, that's how some of us are. Yeah, but you're moving, but you're moving mighty slow. And you know, for parents, I'm going to tell you, when they watch their children, when, they, when your parents ask you to do something, they don't expect you to move slow. That's when they start getting out some, some of their, uh, uh, you know, beating items that help you to move a little bit faster. Right? We're going to pick up your pace. That's being, that's being slothful. Now, look, turn to me to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to just continue in this vein about being idle, being slothful. Hebrews chapter 6, <clears throat> verses number 10. Hebrews 6, starting in verse 10, it says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name, in that he have ministered to the saints, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Get this. God is not unrighteous. To forget what? Your work and labor of love. I love how God... So, understand how what God is saying. The work that you have that's, that is a labor of love and show towards his name, he won't forget it. He being God. God rewards faithfulness towards him never forget that never think that your work is going undone or un- unrecognized because a man or woman never says anything about it doesn't mean that God didn't see it God sees everything God who sees you know the work that you do in private God will reward you openly God sees your work God sees the unseen work that you're doing right don't look for applause from people because God, when you get a pause of people, then God says, okay, you got your reward. You know, my reward, I want God to reward me. I want the reward that God has for me, not people. So again, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you've shown unto, towards his name, and that ye ministered 
to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. So you see that this labor of love, this work that you're doing, it should be to the end. The end, what is the end? The end of all your days. Right? But this is the work that God is going to reward. Right? The labor of love towards His name. Alright, and then he says in verse 12, That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So there he's very clear. He says that don't be slothful. Don't be slow moving. You know, another, a lot of people say slothful, they try to use laziness, and, and again, we can hide uh, behind lazy. When we talk about lazy, lazy is really things that you don't want to do. Right? Lazy is a little different than slothful. Lazy is a little different than being idle. When you say you're lazy, it's because something, some work somebody's giving you to do and you don't want to do it. That's why you're lazy. Right? Like some of you don't have jobs because you don't want to work. It's something you don't want to do. It's lazy. Stop hiding behind like, well, I'm just lazy. No, that, you, you should be ashamed to even say that. I'm just being lazy today. Lazy today. That means you don't want to do nothing today. Right? That means you don't want to eat today. Right? You don't want to go and have entertainment today because I'm going to tell you, stuff you want to do, you're not lazy about it at all. You, you get up and go. You got, you got motion about you. You got a whole body language stuff that you want to do. Stuff that's going to provide entertainment or you have no problem at all around getting that done and spending time with it. But he says again, be thee not slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit promises. So here's the thing I, I want you to understand when we talk about being idle and being slothful, right? Now, just because you are working doesn't mean you're not being idle. Get this. Just we read here in verse 10. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Now, if I stop right there, you then you think every work of labor of love, then God will remember. No, he puts stipulations, which you have showed towards his name. See, never forget, it is all about God. It is all about his kingdom. So he's not going to forget the work that you show towards his name. The labor of love towards his name. See, some of y'all are doing work, but is it towards his name? Is it towards God's purpose? Again, we said, idle means without purpose. Without effect. It's pointless. It's useless. You've got to make sure that the work that you're doing has purpose to it. If it doesn't have purpose to it, then you're idle. Just because you're busy doesn't mean that you're, you're, not, you're not idle. Because you hear a lot of people say, well, I'm busy. I'm busy doing this. I'm busy doing that. But that and, and, so I can't be idle. But is there purpose around what you're doing? And then who's giving you that purpose? What, why are you doing what you're doing? Because a lot of people can look busy and it is still wasting time. Time is passing away while, you're, while you are, are doing your work and doing your busy work. Busy does not mean that you are around purpose. Because, you know, we can be busy about what we want to do. Like I said earlier, I want to be busy about the Father's business. And look at this as an example of someone that was busy, but, wasn't, but, but they were still being out. They were still wasting time. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke 10. Starting in verse 38. The book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 38. <clears throat> now it came to pass, as they went... They entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she said 
And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So here we have two characters. You got Martha, who received them at the house, and then you got her sister Mary there, who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered or distracted about much serving, and came to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. So you can see Martha's issue. She was about serving. And she went to the Lord and, and asked the Lord to tell her sister to help her. And then look at Jesus' response. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. Now get this. You are careful and troubled about many things. You are busy about many things. You are working about many things. You are serving about many things. But one thing is needful. See, that's the difference between being idle and being productive when it comes to God. God's looking for the one thing and you're looking for the many things. Focus on God and what He has called you to do and the one thing. Let's get the one thing right with God. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What was Mary's part that she chosen? She sat at the feet of Jesus. Now, you look at this on the outside, you would say, well, Martha was a, Mary was the one that was being idle. Mary was sitting down. How dare her sit down and listen to Jesus while I'm over here working, serving. So on the outside, we think Martha was, was about the father's business and, and Mary was, was being lazy. Because you can't be working while you're sitting down. See, we have a wrong mentality about being idle. That's why, think about this. During the times of this live streaming, how distracted are you? Are you cumbersome about many things? Are you right now sitting down with your Bible open, with your notes, as if you were in this building, listening attentively? Right? Submitting fully. Conforming completely. Are you in that mode right now? Or are you distracted by many things? If you are distracted by many things right now while this word is going forth, you are being idle. You are wasting time. Because at this time, it ain't me talking to you. It is the Spirit of God ministering to you in your life. And I'm going to tell you something. Whenever God speaks to you, you want to be attentive to hear from Him clearly. Put away all the distractions. And that's the one thing that God's looking for. That's needful. Sit down. Hear from God. So you won't be idle. That's how come you're all over the place in your life. Because you've refused to sit down and hear from the Spirit of God. And God is bringing these words, bringing these, these messages to you constantly to help you and guide you and direct you in your life. And you won't sit down and hear them because you think i got to be busy. Again, being busy does not mean that you're not idle. Being busy doesn't mean you're on purpose. Mary, sitting down, listening to Jesus, showed that she was on purpose. I'm going to tell you like this. If the master shows up in your house and you're busy, then why he don't have to even be there. Why is he even there? 
It's like you, it's like you invite people to your house, you want a fellowship, and, and all you are in the kitchen the whole time, and, and, and they're like, well, I thought we were going to have some time together. I thought you brought me, you know, brought, invited me over so we can spend some time fellowshipping, interacting with one another. But you're in the kitchen, and you're cleaning up, and you're washing clothes, and you're doing dishes, and they're like, you should have did all that before I got here, right? You knew I was coming, didn't you? All, all of a sudden, it almost becomes offensive. Like, maybe you didn't want me to come. But we need to sit down and hear from the Lord. That's purpose. See, in our work, in our labor, you have to stay with purpose. When the master shows up, it's time to sit down and listen. Now, you notice here, it's amazing too here, Martha was doing the talking to, to Jesus. That's another thing too. When the master shows up, sit down and be quiet. Listen. Don't, don't add your, your two cents, your feedback. The master's here. Hear from him. Settle your mind, settle your thoughts, and receive from him. Stop being defensive. Stop trying to justify yourself. You know, again, that's the, un- that's what the, Lord, that's the unseen work. Some of you just run your mouth too much. Be quiet. Let the master speak. You see that Mary said nothing. Martha started calling out, Lord. Now, that's amazing. He, she, she is telling the Lord what to do. Right, you see that in verse, verse 4. It says, But Martha was cumbered about serving and came to him and said, Lord. Now, if you're going to tell the Lord what to do, then this, who did that just made you? It's amazing how this works. Because we're the same way. We're going to dictate to the Lord what he needs to do. And God's like, if I'm the Lord, why are you telling me what to do? I thought I'm the Lord. It should be the other way around, right? I should be showing you what to do and telling you what to do. And you should be abiding by that. Not you telling the Lord. Because we know we can tell God. We dictate to God like He is our servant. God is not your servant. The Lord of glory does not serve you. You're the creature, not the creator. So she's going to tell the Lord, you need to go talk to Mary, my sister, and tell her to help me. And my first response was, I'm like, why did she tell her? You know, it's just so amazing, but she wanted him to do it. And, and that's why Jesus, I, hey, you got to love Jesus and how he responds. In all her hurts, in her, her issues she had, he said, there's one thing needful. See, when it comes to staying on purpose, purpose always brings forth clarity. I'm going to tell you, if you're all over the place, you, you don't have clarity of vision. You don't have clarity of purpose. You're bouncing around. You, you, you're going around doing these things and doing these other things. You, you don't, you're wasting time. Always remember this. Idle, being idle is about wasting time. And if you're not on purpose, you are wasting time. Even though you may be serving. You are wasting time. So there should be a defined purpose associated with your work. I'll say that again. There should be a defined purpose associated with your work. And I'll give another example. Many people went to college, but everyone that went to college didn't graduate. You put forth work, but what was the defined purpose? The purpose of going to college is to graduate. I just want to take some classes and, you know, I want to better myself. You've got to graduate. 
You know, that's why they sit down with a whole curriculum. I'm saying sit down. That was my day and age. Nobody's sitting down with nothing now, paperwork. Everything's you with a computer online. But, but you're looking at things and you're going down your whole curriculum. And they tell you what to take your freshman year, your sophomore year, your junior year, your senior year. You have all laid out for your, your degree major. All you got to do is take the classes. Why? So you can graduate. That's why you went to college. So again, some people took classes, but they didn't finish getting their degree. If you are taking classes now, if you are in college, I'm going to help some of you college students out right now. If you are taking classes now that is not part of your degree program, you are being idle. You are wasting time and you're wasting your parents' money. Take the classes that are associated with you getting your degree. And finish. Stop being idle and wasting time and wasting your parents' money or wasting that grant money. Finish. You know, again, I, I went to college and I graduated years ago. I remember, these, I, I'm, I remember these conversations I had with my counselor in college. Because in, in my time, there was times when, when we sit down and went over our career plan, the rest is all, they went through all the classes you take. And I remember I was asking my, my, my counselor, like, well, and he said, well, you know, what about this class? And they have prep classes that help you with the other class. I'm like, well, is a prep class, is that, would that help me for my major? He said, he said no. And I said, well, I'm taking it then. Because the prep classes, it wasn't free. Now, you know, every class in college costs money. So they had, I've been taking prep classes for two or three semesters. I'm like, and just to get to the class that actually counted. I'm like, I'm taking the class that count. Why wasting time? I'm, I'm trying to help out you college students. Finish your degree. You go to college to graduate. See, there's been a fine purpose associated with my work. See, when you're in college, you, your mindset about college is totally different. Your parents sent you to college to graduate. When you're going down there having fun, partying, laying up, doing things, your parents didn't send you to college to lay up. Your parents sent you to college to play your video games. Me, me help you out. Your parents didn't send you to college to play ball either. Whatever ball it is. They sent you to college to graduate, to get your degree. The better, the better your life in the future when you, when you get into the workforce. That's why your parents sacrifice for you to go to college. But see, you're idle. You're wasting time. See, that's what I mean. You're not maximizing the, the season that you're in. You wasted time in high school and you perpetuated that same attitude. Now you're in college. You're wasting time. You're idle. So I listen. I mean, it's always fun when I listen to college. Well, I'm in college. I'm like, so are you graduating? People act like, again, that like because I'm in college, I'm doing something. If you're not graduating, then you're not doing something because you go to college. You got to graduate. Many people went to college and never graduated. And I'm going to tell you, those people that went to college and didn't graduate, they all go back and say, I should have graduated. Yes, you should have graduated. And I'm sure your parents shaking your head there now. Like, yeah, that boy, that girl should have graduated. Think about all that money that I just, anyway. You should have graduated. Finish. So again, I mentioned about idleness, right? I mentioned about idleness is useless, unproductive. And I mentioned about, we looked at this with Martha and Mary, how your conversations 
can be considered idle. Your conversations can be considered idle. Your conversations can be considered useless, pointless, a waste of time, and your breath. Your conversations are idle. You don't believe that, right? Turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12. Your conversations can be idle. So remember, we're trying to avoid being idle. We're trying to give you some understanding about being idle because what I hate about idleness is you're wasting time. And I'm telling you, we only have a defined number of, of days of our life. There's only a span of time that we have. You only have a season. You know, the, the Bible says that your life is yet but a vapor and it soon pass away. You don't have a lot of time. You don't have time to waste. And I see so many people wasting time. And your words and your conversations are wasted. Matthew chapter 12, verse number... Let's see, we're going to start here. Verse 36, Matthew 12 and 36, it says, But I say unto you, again, this isn't red, this is the Lord Jesus speaking, But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Every idle word that man shall speak. I'll say it again, every out of word that man should be. You will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Your words are going to justify you. Your words are going to condemn you. So you better be very careful how you communicate with your words. Because you know, hear people say, well, my words has power. What power your words? You, you, I'm going to tell you the, the power that your words have. Your, your words don't have power to create anything. You're not deity. You're not God. But your words do have power to justify you and to condemn you. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. The things that you're speaking is going to either justify you or condemn you. That is the power that you got in your words. You're going to be judged by the things that you say. Well, I was just kidding. When you stand before God, tell God you was just joking. You know, those that, you know, again, all the unrest that we have now, all the things around racism, you know, well, I, I didn't mean it when I said that. I didn't mean it when I meant that. Oh, I meant this. You took this out of context. You know, all this kind of stuff, you're trying to surround what you said. Now, if you got to put all those caveats around what you said, something's wrong. That was idle. And you're going to be judged by what you said. It came out of your mouth. And if it came out of your mouth, that means the heart... It came from your heart. For out of the mouth, the heart speaketh. And when you hear who they are out of their mouth, that's who they are from their heart. So that means your idle conversations will be just will be will be judged. You gotta watch what you say. You gotta communicate on purpose. That means my conversation have to have purpose? Yes. Your conversations need to have purpose. Your conversations need to be productive. Yes. So it's more than just your work. Now we're dealing with your conversations as well. See, I love about God. God's complete. He's holy. He's going to make sure you deal with every area of your life. Because you say, well, I'll work unto the Lord. But do you speak unto the Lord? In other words, do you have an opportunity to witness the things of God? Do you say it? Can you speak unto the Lord? 
to others. Because every word you say is, is going to be judged by. It's idle. So you've got to stop having these non-productive conversations. Here's the characteristic of a non-productive conversation. The characteristics of a non-productive conversation. You're argumentative. You're quarrelsome. Your conversation is with strife. The conversation has drama. See, these conversations are non-productive. They're, they're considered idle. They have no purpose to it. Stop having that. You know, some things are better left unsaid. I'll say that again. Some things are best left unsaid. And the perfect example is this between husbands and wives. Some things, husbands, is best left unsaid to your wife. Wives, please understand this. Some things is best left not to be said to your husbands. Well, if I don't tell them who is, let, let God tell them. But in your mind, you like Mike Martha. I'm going to tell the Lord what to tell my husband. Really? You're going to tell the Lord what to tell your husband. Pray for him. Some things is best left unsaid. And again, and when I'm saying these things, take these things with balance, right? Some things you need to say to your husband. Some things you need to say to him. Some things you need to have a conversation. But make sure the conversation is productive. Again, don't be silly. I'm not saying sit there like a Barbie doll and don't say nothing to your husband. You, you understand what I mean. But some of you wives can just nag and nag and nag your husbands about things that in your mind and your heart they should be doing. But here's the comment I have to say to you that you nag and nag and nag your husband. You knew that man before you married him. And when you nag him before you marry him, you're nagging him to get him to marry you. So why now you all of a sudden, you, you, you know, he's something else. No, he was always what he was. Before you married him. But you didn't take the counsel then. You wouldn't listen to nobody. You know, because he was cute. He was fine. You know, I heard minister, he had some abs, you know, like we all have abs. But, you know, his was the fine. You know, he worked out. So you didn't listen to anything. So remember that when you start looking at him now. When all things he ain't doing, you got to nag him about. We'll say, well, you know, I'm married. He, has some, he still got some nice abs. I hope he still got them. See, silly. But that's idle. Those idle conversations. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 21. We're just going through. I'm, I hope you learned something this morning. Trying to help you to raise the productivity of your life. Stop being idle. Proverbs chapter 21. Because a lot of you, I'm telling you, in your marriage, you're wasting time. The conversation you need to have with your husband and wife, you're not even having a conversation. Here's a conversation to have with your, your husband and your wife. Let's talk about the things of God in our home. Let's talk about, we have children, let's talk about raising a godly seed in our home. Let's talk about the things that we have learned in ministry, learned from the teachings, and how we're going to apply it in our life. Let's talk about the call of stewardship, grace and giving. Let's get our home in order. Let's have those conversations in our home. But you're dealing with that petty stuff. You know, he, when he go and use the restroom, he, he keeps the toilet seat up or he keeps the toilet seat down. He don't pick up behind himself. He leaving clothes on the floor. And you nag, 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 nag. And you wonder why. Even in COVID-19, he's like, I'm going into the office. I'd rather deal with the virus than deal with you. 
Nagging. Proverbs 21. Start this in verse 9. You know, but I'm, you think I'm saying, I'm going to let the Word of God minister to you. Because you're like, oh, that's just your talk. I'm going to let the Spirit of God, from the Word of God, minister to you. Just trying to help you out. Your conversations need to be productive. Proverbs 21, verse 9, it says, It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop with COVID-19 than with a brawling woman in the wide house. It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a white house. Well, I'm not a brawler. Your nagging is, is, is contentious. It's brawling. It's offensive. you always telling that man what she, he needs to do. I thought you was his wife, not his mama. It's not, hey, that's your fault. You married a little boy. You should have waited till he became a man before you married him. <laughs> 21, look at, look at verse 19. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Now, you can't hear this from the scriptures. Hear this. Stop nagging. This is better to dwell in the wilderness. I mean, hey, I'm in a land of desert. The wilderness. Than to be in that house with that contentious, nagging, and angry woman. With all those idle conversations that builds to quarreling, arguing, drama. Again, we're saying these things when the concept of a woman, right? Because that's what. It's, but understand, it can come from the man too. Like I said, this when it comes to productive conversations, husband, you need to have productive conversation with your wife too. The Bible says, dwell with your wife with the knowledge of the word. So, man, you need to have a productive conversation with your wife. Some things I'm telling you is not left. Some things are best left unsaid. Let me say this like this, right? If you know your wives have, have an issue with losing keys, stop telling them about it. If your wife can't keep up with the keys, stop trying to think you can correct her on that. She was losing keys at her daddy's house. That's not even worth, that's not even worth talking about. Let it go. So I'm going to tell you, these things I have learned over a period of 30 years. It took me a little while, even though the teachings came, it took me a while to apply it to something I just don't even bring up. It's not even worth the conversation. Right? And I'm going to tell you, husband and wives, here's a classic one for husband and wives. When we get in the car and start driving, and the husband is driving, and the wife feels like she got to tell him where to go. Now, we all know where we're going, even though the husband may have taught the wife how to drive. I'm, I'm talking personally now. But when you get in the car, though, i gotta, I got to hear about every place I'm going. Why are you going that direction? Why are you going this way? There's a faster way going this way. You should have said that. Why are you driving this way? I've learned. I'm, I just sit there and don't. I said, baby, I'm just driving. I'm trying to get us there safely. That's a good ride for us to be there safely. Well, if you go this way, that's a lot of traffic. That way, you, I'm just trying to get us there safely. Why are you getting a tow road? I'm just getting us there safely. Why you didn't take the tow road? I'm just getting us there safely, baby. It, I, I'm not going to let because every idle word out of my mouth is going to be judged. Because here's the thing. Oh, man. 
before we go here, right? Here's the thing about these conversations. Those conversations are really, those conversations are really not the issue. There's the petty the conversations that really is a bigger issue that's going on. But once you engage into that conversation, then the issue comes out in the marriage. Right, in other words, if you start, I just use an example again about driving. I'm like, well, yeah, why are you trying to tell me where to, where to drive? Which way to go? I know how to get there. And then here she comes. Oh, I know you ain't talking like that. See, you didn't say that this about this. And, and I know you ain't saying that. And, I'm saying, and then, then the conversation switched from driving to switch to finances, switch to your homes. It, it'll go in a whole different direction. Because that's a real issue coming out. So I learned it. Because every idle word is going to be just. Out of my mouth, I, hey, I'm being justified. Out of my mouth, I'm being condemned. Even in my own house. So I've got to choose my words carefully. I'm just trying to help you out, husbands and wives. Stop having these idle conversations. That's non-productive. Here's another good one. This, this one I learned from this ministry. Here's a classic one that I learned. Right? When it comes to non-productive conversations. The questions being asked, right? When we go someplace. And then the questions are always asked, where do you want to sit? So I'm a, I'm a husband and I have my wife with me and we go into some place. You know, like we say we go to, me and my wife, we like to go to the movies. Say we go to the movies. You can't go to the movies now, but I'm saying back then we went to the movies and we walk into the theater and, I, and then, and then my wife will say, where do you want to sit? Now, you start walking, and again, she is not asking you where you want to sit. Even though she said, where do you want to sit? Right? So you start walking, I'm going to sit right here. And then the next thing she said, why are you sitting there? So I've learned this from this, I've heard this from this ministry. To help me with that answer to that question. My wife asked me, where do you want to sit? Right, here's my answer. Right next to you, baby. I learned that here. That is my answer. From now on, my wife asked me where I want to sit. Right next to you. So then, she'll sit and do her thing, and then I'll sit right next to you. That saves me from idle conversation versus, hey, what you... And I sit down, she's like, where are you want to sit? And then I sit somewhere, and she's like, why you sit there? Well, didn't you ask me where I want to sit? And then here you go. In the theater. Blah, 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 blah. Idle. And then you see folks in there from the church like, hey, like I know they ain't just acting a fool like this. Hey, brother and sister, hey, sister. <laughs> You're going to argue about a seat at a theater. Ruin all your witness. We love Jesus. Idol. I'm, again, I'm trying to help you. This is serious work. This is the unseen work. These are things that we never even address and think about. But it's idle conversations. Stop having them. Some things just do not comment on. Or learn how to comment on. So again, idleness will lead to stagnation. It will lead to a lack of growth. Again, idleness will lead to a lack of development. Idleness will lead to a lack of maturity. Again, idleness will lead to a lack of productivity. Again, you're stagnant when you're out. We saw it in the first passage of Scripture in Matthew 20. They're sitting there waiting to be hired all day long. That means they're stagnant. They're not growing. They're not being developed. They're not being mature. They're not being productive. That's idle. So what is the cure for idleness? Because one of the big things about those that are idle, they are not finishers. They are non-finishers. 
Right? And again, you may say I'm working and busy, but like I said, if you're not about purpose, then you are considered not finished. You have not finished the purpose that was given to you. Then you're idle. So the cure for idleness is four things I have laid out here. Four things are the cure for idleness. The first thing is order your life. The second thing is organize your life. The third thing is apply discipline in your life. And the fourth thing is to stay in position to be used by God. Again, the first thing is order your life. The next thing is organize your life. The next one is apply discipline in your life. And third and fourthly, stay in position to be used by God. These are the principles to apply to keep you from being idle. So let's deal with number one. Order your life. Again, how I can not be idle. I have to have order in my life. How do you order your life? Your life, you order your life based on purpose given to you by authority. You order your life based on purpose given to you by authority. So who is given to you the purpose? It's the authority. That means you've got to be under authority to be able to have an ordered life. If you're not under authority, your life is not ordered. And God is our authority and he has given us purpose in our walk with him. God is our authority. And he's given us purpose that's going to order our life. Look at this in, in, in Psalm 37, very popular passage of scripture that people quote all the time. But I want to make sure you understand, it's talking about order here. Psalms 37, verse 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Who's ordering the steps of the good man? The Lord. And you notice he's ordering the steps. See, you can be taking steps, but if they're not ordered by the Lord, you are not on purpose. Again, you are wasting time. You are being idle. Many people are taking steps, but if it hasn't been steps that God has ordered, the Lord has ordered, you are wasting time. So when we say order my life, we're talking about ordering my life based on purpose that authority has given me. I'm not out there doing what I want to do. I'm not, I'm not about my purpose. It's about what God has given me to do. It's about His authority. And I'm staying there and my steps are taken based on Him who has ordered it in my life. My steps are ordered by the Lord. That's, that's how you stay in order. That's how you order your life. I stay on purpose based on the authority it has given me my, my order, my direction. And when I say order, order means to take direction from authority and do it. Order means I'm taking direction from the authority and I'm doing it. And I say this again, you must first be willing to be under authority in order to receive orders. That's what I love about this ministry. I have placed myself and my family under authority of this ministry. That's why, guess what, my life is ordered. And my life is not, I don't have a hit and miss relationship with God. You know what I mean? Because I don't have a hidden hit and miss relationship with God because my life is ordered. And my order is because I place my life and my family under this ministry. 
under authority that's in this ministry. Because in authority, authority will provide me with purpose. See, I'm not sitting here thinking, well, what is the purpose of my life? I don't know what the purpose of my life. So I'm just going around doing what I think. Maybe that's the purpose of my life. Maybe that's the purpose of my life. And I hear people talk about, they don't know what the purpose of their life is. I'm like, are you, are you under authority? Because authority will show you what the purpose is. I have, I, I live a purpose-filled life because I'm under authority. I place myself under authority, so my life is now ordered. So I'm not wasting time. I'm not hidden and missing. And I'm going to tell you, you think about all your, your hits and your misses in your life. It always goes back to your disobedience. If, you're, if you made misses, that means your disobedience to authority is directly related to your misses in your life. You know what I mean I'm missing your life? Misses in life are things you wish you can go back and redo. I missed that. Yeah, you, you, but you can't go back now. And if you go back to why you made that decision, it was because you were in disobedience. You did not take the counsel of authority that was in your life. And your obedience came by taking the counsel of authority. Here's the thing that got me when I was growing up. You know, I, when my parents told me to do something, I was this child. You know, for the most part, I did it. I'm not saying I did everything right, because I did not. Right? But my parents said, I mean, when they said it, I, 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 I didn't think there was an option. My parents told me to do something. So in other words, when I disobeyed, I deliberately disobeyed. It wasn't like, oh, they meant this. and t-. They said, dude, I just did it. If my parents, you know, the time when I, you started driving your car, and here was the thing, they, your parents say, hey, they give you a $10 bill and say, put $10 in the gas tank. I'm not going to go in there and put $8 in the gas tank and keep $2 for myself. And thinking they'll never find out. Because my dad and mom was like this, bring back the receipt. The boy, we don't trust you. We know you got flesh. You're a child. I want to see the receipt. I want to make sure that you paid exactly what I told you to do. That built accountability. Because my mind thinking, how would they know the difference between $8 of gas and $10 of gas? They'll know when they see that receipt. But see, that's the thing. But when you disobey and you got missed, then all of a sudden you're riding it like, how come we ran out of gas? Did you put $10 in gas like I told you to? Uh, no, really, I put $3 in and kept, you know, or $1 in and kept, you know, and kept nine. You know, I'm saying your, your mind, everything starts changing. Those are the misses in life. Again, just don't get caught up in an example. I'm just giving you, helping you understand we're talking about the principle here. Those are the misses when you disobey the authority. Because authority gave you purpose. They wanted gas in their vehicle, and you supposed to put gas in their vehicle. It wasn't up to you to change the, the, the commandments. And when God gives us commandments, He expects us to do it. That's how your life stays ordered. That's how you not get caught up in being idle. See, order individuals are not idle. They're not wasting time. They are on purpose, and they stay on purpose. Order individuals are not idle. They're not wasting time because those that are ordered are individuals. They're under authority. And since authority has given them purpose, they're staying on that purpose. And those people that are ordered, order individuals, they stay committed. They're staying committed. They're, they're not flaky. They're not inconsistent. That's how you can tell somebody who has, life, has their life ordered. They are not flaky and inconsistent. They are committed. And those same individuals that have, have ordered their life, you can see their benefits in their life being ordered. They are growing. They are being developed. You see it. They are productive. They have clarity. All because 
They have ordered their life under the authority that's been given to them. Take this counsel. Place yourself under authority. And take the direction and do it. That's how come my life is the way it is today. Second thing, organize your life. Now you need to organize your life. Now how do you organize your life? The first part of organization is you need a schedule. Without a schedule, you can't tell me you're organized. You ain't got a schedule. You ain't got a planner. You don't even know what you're going to do. Every you have to have a schedule. A schedule consists of a series of tasks that you perform at a specific time for a specific duration to achieve a specific purpose. Again, a schedule consists of a series of tasks that you perform at a specific time for a specific duration to achieve a specific purpose. You need a schedule. And so how do I develop a schedule? You develop a schedule based on the guidance from authority. Don't tell me that you organize your life and you got a schedule, and, but authority didn't give it to you. Authority will give you the guidance to your schedule. And your schedule is about your daily routine. You need to have a daily schedule. If you don't, you are wasting time. You are being idle. You're not on purpose. So authority will dictate to you your daily schedule that you should follow. Your daily schedule that you should follow. Authority will dictate to you. And God has dictated to us our daily schedule to follow. What's a daily schedule that God has told us to follow? It's called holiness. It's called righteousness. It's called the just to live by faith. That my lifestyle should always be a lifestyle of holiness, always a lifestyle of righteousness, always a lifestyle of the just being living by faith. That is my daily schedule. Don't tell me that you're a believer and I don't see no holiness in you, in your lifestyle, in your schedule. Where's holiness at? Right? If you're sleeping around and having sex outside of marriage, that, that's not holy. That's not in God's schedule. He did not dictate that to you. That means your life is not organized. Get this. If you're sleeping, if you're having sex outside of marriage, you're out of God's purpose and His will at this time in your life. And what that's going to do is going to cause complications later on. And those complications will become consequences that you wish you can go back and change. But guess what? You have put things into motion. And you wonder why your life is not organized. It's in disarray. And now you come back later trying to organize everything with chaos. And you wonder what happened. Let's go back to the time when you disobeyed God. You didn't have a schedule. You didn't apply holiness and righteousness in your life. And now you see the consequences of, of that lifestyle. Now you just got to endure. Hold on to the end. So look at this in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Again, this lifestyle of holiness, righteousness, the just living by faith. <clears throat> the schedule. Luke chapter 1. Verses 74. 
Luke 1 and 74. It says, Luke chapter 1 verse 74. That he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Again, that we shall serve him without fear. How do we serve him without fear? In holiness and in righteousness before him all the days of our life. That is our daily schedule. And in this schedule, again, each task that you have in the schedule needs to have an expected outcome. So in my walk with the Lord, when I'm serving Him daily in, in holiness and righteousness, you know, living by faith, there's, there's a specific outcome for each task. See, in other words, you have a schedule, you have specific tasks in your schedule, but what's the outcome? Because if, if you do not hit the mark on the outcome of the task, then you're still wasting time. There's purpose to your task, and you need to make sure that you achieve the outcome. Right? And so here's an example of, of, of tasks that we have. Specific tasks that we have, and here's, and here's the outcome, right? There's a task that we have in our daily walk to pray. Pray daily. That's the task. But what's the outcome of my praying? I'm learning how to communicate with God and to trust Him. That should be the outcome of your prayers, that I'm learning how to communicate with God and trust Him. Here's a task for you daily read your Bible. Yeah, the Bible. Not commentaries, the actual Word of God. Read it. But what's the outcome when we read my Bible? To learn the Word of God. There's no shortcuts in this. You have to sit down with this Bible and open it up and read it. Page by page, book by book. You have to read it. Why? Because I can learn the Word of God. And people always ask, where do I start? But what's been, if you go back, if you ask, where do I start reading my Bible at? Where do you get your schedule from? Authority. What is authority speaking to you? They'll show you where to start reading from. People all say, where do I start reading? Do I start in the Gospels? Do I start in the, 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 uh, the, the book of uh, Old Testament? Do I start in Genesis and just read all the way through? Let authority give you guidance. But the whole point is you've got to read it. Because you're learning the Word of God. Another task we have is to come to church. Why do we come to church? Here's a good one. Why do I come to church? To be discipled. I'm learning how to be a follower of Christ. Without coming to church, you will not learn how to be a disciple. And again, we know we're coming to church now through the live stream, but this is still a form of coming to church. You're learning how to be discipled. Discipleship happens by you coming to church, by you gathering together. You've got to come. That's the outcome. So if you're just coming to church and you're not being discipled, then something's wrong with that purpose because you're not on it. And then coming to church, you've got to do more than come to church. The next task, you've got to join a local church. Why do I have to join a local church? So you can commit to the work of ministry. Don't tell me that you committed to the work of ministry and you didn't, you didn't join a local church. You've got to be a part of a local church. A part means you have to join. You've got to commit yourself to the local church. Well, I'm part of the church of the body of Christ in the whole. Yeah, that's great. And then because of that, you should join yourself to the local body. Because there's a local work that's going on that God has called you to. God has placed you into the body as He has seen fit. And you've got to join yourself to where God has placed you. 
Why? So that you can commit yourself to the work of ministry. That's the task. And what's another task? That you witness to others. And why am I witnessing to others? So I can seek and save the lost. See, those are tasks and those are outcomes. This will be part of your daily walk of holiness and righteousness. And there's others. I'm just listing a few. In your time of prayer, in your time of, of coming to the church, in your time of reading your Bible, in your time of joining the church, in your time of witnessing to others, you'll see other tasks that, that God has called you to do that you, that you need to be on purpose on. But start there. That'll help keep your life organized. See, it's nothing like having a schedule and following it. I'm telling you, that will remove all the idleness. That will remove all the, the complacency, thinking that you're not on purpose. I stay on task. My life is organized. So I've ordered my life. I've organized my life. And again, you notice that the theme of these, 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 uh, these things about applying, uh, um, these things we're talking about, about getting, being, not being idle, the theme about all this is, is you've got to put yourself under authority. Authority will help you order your life. Authority will help you to organize your life. And then the next thing is you've got to apply discipline to your life. Now this is a good one. Because this is this unseen work here. Applying discipline to your life is you addressing your flesh, your appetites, your lust, your desires. You have to address your flesh. Applying discipline, you have to apply discipline to your life. Authority can show you what you need to do, but authority is not there. You have to apply it. They're giving you direction. They're showing areas that you need to play. You know, authority will show you, you you need to be disciplined in this area. You need to be disciplined in that area. But you have the work to apply it. You have to apply discipline. If you don't apply discipline, your lust will drive you to idleness. I'm saying this is the number one distraction for those that are idle. It's their lust. Your lust will drive you to idleness because you have not applied discipline to your lust, to your flesh. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You have to apply discipline to your flesh. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. It says, But I, but I, you notice that, I, here's all the I for you, I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection. Lest by any means, when I, have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Notice, the responsibility of of applying discipline to your flesh is you. You're responsible to do it. Authority will give you guidance and direction, tell you areas that you need to apply it, but you have to apply discipline to your flesh. You have to keep your body under. You have to deal with your appetites. Deal with your lust. This is that unseen work. Because we all have lust. We all have appetites. We, we, hey, you know you. You know those areas in your flesh that are not disciplined. You know them. And if you allow yourself to get caught up in those areas that are not disciplined in your flesh, you will be idle. You will not be on purpose. It'll affect you being ordered. It'll affect you being organized because you have not applied discipline in your life. This is how you become disqualified. 
because you have not applied discipline. You can sit here and say, yeah, my steps are ordered by the Lord. Yes, I've organized my life. I, I'm, I'm walking in, in holiness and righteousness. But let your flesh get out of control. Because you didn't apply discipline. All those other things you will forfeit. That's what he says about you'll be a castaway. You'll be disqualified. Because you're caught up in your lust. So you've got to learn that, that discipline is the key to keeping your flesh under. Discipline is the key to keeping your flesh under. And you've got to bring it under subjection daily. And when we say your flesh, we're talking about that Adamic nature, that, that sinful flesh. You, you know what your flesh is. Those things that are against God, those appetites you have that, that you know are not right. That's, that's your flesh. Because, you know, we'll start getting legal, right? Look at this in 1 Corinthians. Look at it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because we'll get legal with this thing when we talk about our flesh and things we need to deal with. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Notice that there's two statements being made in this, in this, in this passage of Scripture. He says, All things are lawful unto me. So there's things that are lawful Unto me. Right? Things that come to you. They're lawful. You know, lawful means that, that, that you're free to do it. You have a freedom to do it. Things that come your way, you are free to do. They're lawful for me to do. Then he says, but, uh, um, he said, and all things are, are lawful for me. There's things that are lawful for you. Things that you do. So the things that, that, that come to you to do, there's things that you actually do. Catch the difference, right? There's things that come to you. For example, there's opportunities that come your way. And it's lawful for you to act on those opportunities. There's things that you do out of your own, own uh, uh, abilities that you do, and, it's, and you're free to do it. Two separate statements. But then he says, for the first one, why the things that come to you, he said, but all things are not expedient. All things are not beneficial. All things that, that come your way are not about the purpose of God. And it will allow your flesh to get out of control. You know, for example, if you start taking, if an opportunity comes for you to take a job that pulls you away from, from ministry, and you're like, well, that must be, you know, God, because that's more money, that's more opportunity, that's better myself or better my family. You know, we, we get real religious when we start talking about that. Because all, all we see is dollar signs. But understand this, all money ain't good money. That's your lust. That's your appetites. Because all you're looking at is the money. But in the long run, it's not beneficial. I'm not going to take a job that's going to pull me away from the ministry. Where God has placed you at, now I'm going to take an opportunity or a job that's going to pull me away from that. See, you're free to do it. But it's not going to be beneficial. It's not going to be expedient for you. Right? And then and things, things for you to do, right? Again, you know, things, things that come your way, things that you're actually looking at, right? Because you know how we are when it comes to jobs and promotions. You know, we think, oh, promotion comes from the Lord. We'll find scriptures and quote stuff. But that promotion that came from the Lord, you said it's going to pull you away from the Lord. Then how did it come from the Lord? It did not. That's you and your flesh. So it may be lawful for you to do, but it's not expedient. Right? Or, or all things may be lawful for you, 
right? But I'm not going to be bound to it. See, some things that you do, you're bound to it. How do you know you're bound to something? Well, you can't let it go. See, you know, we can sing this song, all I need is, is, is King Jesus, right? All I need is Jesus, right? I don't need nobody else, right? We can sing it, but are you, is that really all you need is Jesus? Because if not, then you're bound to the other thing that you say that, that you say you don't need, you know, that, that, that you're not bound to. Because I'm going to tell you, people say a lot of things. And we see in the time we are in now, you see things that you may have been bound to. You're like, but can you go without it? Here's the thing, can you let it go? See, I can't be bound to anything. This is the areas, that, that's what I'm talking about. These are areas in your life that you've got to apply discipline to. I can't be bound to it. I can't be bound to anything. And a good thing, of, a good example of this when it comes to, you know, the simple example is eating. You know, you're free to eat whatever you want to eat. But are you bound to it? But will I, I'll be not brought under, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Some of you are under the power of meat and potatoes. You're bound to it. That's why fasting is so important to you. Let me say it different. I don't care about me. You know, I'm a vegan. But you're bound to sweets. You've got to have some sweet all the time. Stop lying. You, you, Sometimes, right now, you're eating something sweet. Right? You're bound to the sweets. I can put away sweets. Then put it away then. Go on a fast. Let your body start talking to you. Well, how long then? How long I got to go? See, if your body starts asking you how long you got to go without sweets, you're bound to it. See, simple things. This is the area you got to apply discipline in your life. This is the unseen work. And we all have those areas. Every single one of us. That we're bound in these areas. We've got to learn to let it go. We've got to apply discipline. See, this is how we won't get idle. Because I'm telling you, food can pull you away from the purpose of God. Again, how, you think, oh, how can food pull, pull me away from the purpose of God? Because all you're thinking about is eating. Instead of going back to Martha and Mary's scenario, right? Instead of sitting here listening to the Word of God and, and let it meditate over your life, you're thinking about, hey, i got to get this meal ready. I'm ready to eat. Because your mind is on food or eating or your sweets or your snacks. Instead of hearing from God. You don't pull you away from purpose. And again, that's just an example. You know your area. And that's the area that you need to fast. Fasting is a good thing to bring your flesh under. Fasting will help discipline your body. You need to have a lifestyle of fasting. Don't wait on the church to call a fast. You should have a lifestyle of fasting. Let the Spirit of God deal with you in that area. Pull away from whatever it is. You know, some of y'all talking about, well, you know, since we've been quarantined, I've been, been been watching. Some of you have been watching before the quarantine. Well, like you just start, you, I just started Ben I just started Netflix. You've been watching them shows before now. Now you don't turn your flesh over to it. Because you got an excuse to watch them. You've always been Ben watching. But now's the time of fast. Stop. Stop Ben watching. Go, go on a binge and read this Bible. Go on a binge. I'm going to read from Genesis to Revelation. Go on that binge. See, it shows you where your flesh is. You've got to apply discipline to it. And when I mean discipline, discipline starts in your thought life. And I must say these things, right? Your thought life is so crucial, people. 
you got to get, you have to address your thought, you have to correct your thought life. The things that, thought life meaning the things that you think on the most. Again, that's what we talk about with discipline, about food. You're, you're thinking on these things the most. Your thought life is things that you think on the most. That's what you are. That's what you will do. You have to apply discipline in your thought life. You got to make a replacement. You got to do an exchange. You got to stop. Instead of having all the things around uh, your flesh things, put in your thought life the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. That's how you bring the Word of God in your thought life. Meditate. You know what meditate means? Muse. The word muse means continually read or continually do something more over and over and over again. I'm continually read the same passage of Scripture over and over again. That's your meditation. I get bored after a while. Good. That's your flesh getting bored because you're not being entertained. You continue to read it over and over again. That will help you in your thought life. The Word of God will bring forth correction in your thought life. That's how you apply discipline in your thought life. Read the Word of God over and over and over again as a daily schedule. Alright, so the last point is you've got to stay in position to be used by God. Again, you've ordered your life, you've organized your life, you apply discipline, now you've got to stay in position to be used by God. And I say this again, position is where God has placed you. Where God has placed you, you have to stay. You know what I mean by stay, right? Don't be moved. I can't be moved away from where God has, has placed me. That's why if you don't address your flesh, your desires, they will cause you to move away from your position. Now here's something that is so amazing to me about how we move away from the position that God has placed us. When people get married. You know, we're just talking about married folks today. It is what it is. Today is a married folks day, for instance. Right? So anyway, when people get married, why when people get married, all of a sudden they got to move away from the position that God has placed them? In other words, if you are active in your ministry and you have a position in your ministry, how come when you got married, now all of a sudden you can't do those, those positions anymore? You can't be part of that, that aspect of the ministry anymore. Because you got married. Never forget this with you married folks. Let me say this. Be very clear. Remember this. It was your choice to get married. Not God's. It was your choice to get married. Not God's. It was your choice in who you got married to. Not God's. Alright? So stop putting God's plan and purpose on hold because you chose to get married. What does that have to do? What does God's ministry, God's plan, being on hold have to do with you getting married? You chose that. You have to stay in position. See, those in position, they stay available to be used by God regardless of their marital status, social status, economic status, or domestic status. Again, those that are in position, that stay available to be used by God, they do it regardless of their marital status, social status, economic status, or domestic status. 
This is how you're going to avoid being idle. You, you got married because you chose to be married. But God's plan goes on. Stay in position. And I'm going to tell you, I heard this from Pastor Hill. She, she mentioned this, right? If you want to bring forth healing in, in, in your marriage and work in the ministry. If you want to bring forth clarity in your marriage, work in ministry. Bring, your, bring you, you and your husband need to be in ministry, working. Because that will order your life. That will organize your life. That will give your life purpose. Stay in ministry. Versus when you're getting married and you're out of ministry. I don't know what that is. Because that was your choice. Stay in ministry. Because I'm going to say this to you. When, when you got married, you didn't change your, your secular job position. Oh, I got married now and I'm going to quit this job. No, you didn't. I don't, want, I don't know. Though, on the world, your carnal stuff didn't even change. But when it comes to church, now I got to step down. I can't sing anymore. I can't usher anymore. I can't whatever it is. I can't go out witness anymore because I'm a married woman now. I'm a married man now. Please, that was your choice. You didn't tell you that don't folks at your job. Well, I'm married now. I can't come to work today. They were like, "Well, we'll get somebody else to come. Don't worry about it. Stay married and broke and hungry. That'll drive you into this job." But when it comes to church, we have a different view about it. Stop it. That is your carnality that is your issue the church got nothing to do with, with that business you chose who you wanted to marry and you and you married that had nothing to do with God don't put God's plan on hold because you got married that's why you're idle and out of, out of purpose again I'm saying these things in a, in a certain way I'm not mad at you I hope you receive it and the spirit is given you know, because again, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you, you sin even more. I'm just joking. <laughs> but no, you just got to get these corrections in your life. Learn these things. Bring, bring order in your home. Right? Organize your life. Apply discipline in your life. Stay in the position that God has placed you. And then, you know, I'm out of time and, and there's one uh, verse that I want you to go back and look up. A good example. It was King David. And the, the scripture is 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. 2 Samuel chapter 11, <clears throat> verses 1 through 4. We won't go through because again, I'm out of time. But read about David. How in the time when David was idle. When he was not on purpose. He got caught up in his lust. And he did something that put into motion that cost him the rest of his days. He did something that the Lord came to the prophet and told him, the sword would never leave your house. Because of that one act of idleness. Not idolatry, but being idle. He did not put his flesh under. And that one act, the sword never left his house. He saw incident after incident after incident in his own home. Because of the act of him being idle. That's how serious this is. You have to address the unseen work. Don't be idle. Read about David. And when you read about David, instead of having David's name there, put your name there. Because what David did, is it, it, we all can do. Well, I won't do what he did. No, but you're doing something now. Don't get caught up in actually the act that he did, but it's caught up in him being idle. We have to stay in the purpose of God. That means we've got to keep ourselves ordered, under authority, submitted under authority, organize our life, apply discipline in our life, apply discipline to our thought life.
so we can accomplish the purpose of God that he has for us in this season of our life that we are in. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.